Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordeaux. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O for more information. Your adventure awaits. Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to talk about something really meaningful and powerful that could possibly change your life. I don't know what that is yet, and that's why we have Noel. I was just going to say, John, you have no idea what's about to change your life. Is that, is that, too, is that too much pressure to put on the, you and the topic, or not so much? Oh, hell no. All right, good. This is what I do for a living. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I believe it's go, it is going to be powerful. It is. Right. It is. I, I'm excited. We're going to talk about subjective happiness. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Subjective it's a, happiness. Okay. Subjective happiness is something that I come across a lot in coaching where people will hire a coach or seek a coach or uh, even talk with their friends and their family. I just want to be happy. I just mm. want to be happy. Yes, I get this all the time. All the time. Yeah. And when we're when we're dealing with happiness, uh, well-being is actually subjective. And people right. need to take time to figure out what makes them happy before they can become it. Yes, I think that happy um, sometimes, I mean, it, it's so broad, right? And I think that it, it, could, it could easily become a bumper sticker. And so when you're coaching someone, I mean, you really have to break down what that means. Um, I mean, so there's so many different parts to being happy. There are, and we talk a lot about the commodification of society and the way that advertising influences what people believe should make them happy. Right. And it's often so very far from the truth. And it's often materially based and it's often appearance based. And we know that hands down, both appearance based happiness and material based happiness doesn't last. Yeah. So what are some of the greatest misconceptions of happy? I, I, I think, I mean, the, the, the first one for me is that it, it, it's a constant. Like if you get to, if you get to that island, then you will always be happy. And that's not true. Well, happiness is, is a state and, right. and there are, there are layers and layers and layers to it. So I'll just, I'll toss out one theory of many, and it's a three pronged approach to happiness which is achievement, both mm -hmm. physical and mental, where you're working at 85% of either your mental or your physical capacity. Mm -hmm. In the middle, there is contentment. And contentment is a feeling of ease, of calm, of simple enjoyment. You're able to be present in your current scenario. I have a really nice cup of coffee in front of me. I'm enjoying mm. talking to you. Um, and then the third piece is hedonic, mm. which is hedonism, which is sex, is fun, is the, the, the icing on the cake of life. And all three are important in equal measure. If they're out of balance, you're not going to achieve authentic happiness in any one measure. And so we have to kind of say, okay, you know, what is this thing really? Achievement, um, building something, creating something, moving forward, uh, achieving, and then hedonic, which is pleasure, right? Yep. And of course, it doesn't have to just be sexual, but some kind of pleasure in your life. And then what was the, the third one or the middle one? 
Contentment. Contentment. Okay. So, and you mentioned a, uh, uh, like a warm cup of coffee in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. So with contentment, does that mean um, things that you could find joy in that's around you that, that can be big or small? That's exactly what it is. And when we're, especially when we're considering, well, any of these areas, contentment, achievement, or hedonics, which is pleasure, um, you need to know that 10% is due to circumstantial factors and 50% of what you enjoy as a unique human is, is genetic. 50% is genetic. Um, so 10% is circumstantial, 50% is genetic, and then 40% we have control over, and these are intentional activities. Wait, when you say 50% is genetic, are you saying that there are some people um, who struggle with being happy more so than others just by their genes? Yes, there's something called a happiness set point, and it's genetic. And you're born with a certain affect regarding happiness. Some people are just hardwired to be a little bit melancholy. And when you take this fact from a global perspective, other countries, especially Europe, are much more accepting of a melancholy affect as a perfectly fine way to exist in the world. And American culture looks down on it because we have been conditioned starting probably in the 30s, 40s, 50s with this Coca-Cola view of the world that you have right. to be bubbly and happy and, and there's something wrong with you if you're not. Oh, that's so true. I mean, I've never been there, but I imagine like people in London and stuff like their their humor, their their, their attitude, their, it's very more, it's a lot more melancholy than, I mean, they probably make fun of Americans for being like so cartoony happy. Yeah, and and it impacts Americans because we have this commercialized view of what the output of happiness should be in our lives, and it's just not the case. You're hardwired the way you're hardwired. You know what? I I don't think I have that happy gene. I mean, I I melancholy is kind of my default. I mean, I'm a lot happier today than I was, you know, uh, ten years ago. And I and I believe I do have a big heart, but um, it's really hard for me to to be happy. Like I really have to work at it, you know, day day to day. This is a super important topic, and and having been your roommate for a while, I tend to agree with you. I <laughs> so hurtful. <laughs> yes. Is is it hurtful or is it just true? No, it is true. Like I don't I don't wake up doing you know uh, cartwheels and 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 you know it, it, looking at the sky and enjoying. It. Like I wake up, kind of my default is very melancholy. You wake up and you're like, it's a day. Hello. Yeah, and you know, I'm just like, uh, like I mean, I'm not, I'm not miserable like I used to be, but um, I'm definitely not because I've met people who are just pure joy, and I'm like, how, how do you get there? It's natural. It's genetic, and it's yeah. hardwired. Yeah. And the most important part of it is if that if you had that experience, you would probably be thinking that you were on drugs. It would not be natural for you. Right. Right. And, and it. it, it and it wouldn't serve you and it wouldn't suit you. And, you know, so much of your really sharp humor comes from your melancholy affect. Sure. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are funny because of their their dark view of the world, you know. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, and it was hilarious. You know, you'd wake up and roll out to get a cup of coffee and I'm running around saging the house, singing to the birds, you right. know. So it, it's it, it just is. 
That's that's so true. I didn't even think about that. But yes, I mean, you um, you are generally. I mean, I think your default is happy and it calm. Is. And you know, I mean, not that you you know you're human and you get stressed out and all that. But yeah, that's a really good visual. Um, you staging the house and making a meal and all that, and me um, running out, uh, you know, pulling my sweats up uh, in a fight or flight state <laughs> to go get coffee. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, she has but, sage. Let me get the fuck out yeah. of the house. Um, That's so funny. But so, so let, let's talk a little bit more about the happiness set point because it can be altered. And uh, it can be altered in either direction. So there are typically three things that will lower a happiness set point. And they are uh, experiencing a violent crime. They mm. are experiencing and living through some measure of war or, or just general violence in your everyday life. And then the third one is incredibly common and it's divorce. Oh, interesting. Yes. And so when you get divorced, your brain chemicals get scrambled for two to four years and your happiness set point is lowered. You can work back to a higher level of a happiness set point, but that's where the intentionality comes in. It takes work. Yeah. Yes. When I, when I got divorced, my happiness set point was lowered and I thought my brain was broken. Hmm. I thought that I was permanently damaged and that I was just going to be a little bit more melancholy for the rest of my life. And I have to say, I don't know if it was my divorce or the, the years subsequent that kind of like mellowed me a little bit, but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, squirrely these days. (laughs) (laughs) You've always been squirrely. Um, I I didn't, because I didn't know you when you were going through the the divorce part. Like I didn't know that, you know, when you were going through that tunnel, I don't think I knew you well. No, you didn't. And before my divorce, I was an off the charts happiness bubble. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. So for me, I mean, obviously my, my divorce impacted me. Um, I had a double whammy because, you know, um, happy is not my default. I'm more melancholy. On top of that, I got a divorce. And so that's when I, you know, that's when I was uh, spiraling downward. So let's talk about what we can do because there, you have to remember that, you know, so 50% is genetic, 10% is circumstantial. And then we have 40% that we can really work with in terms of our subjective well-being, our subjective happiness. And the way to get at this stuff is through intentional activities. I'll give you the definition of these guys. So these are simple, intentional, and regular practices that mimic healthy thoughts and behaviors associated with naturally happy people. It's in other words, it's fake it till you make it. Mm, Okay. And from a coaching perspective, a lot of times I have to work with clients to get them to stop um, looking to the external world for validation and to actually sit with themselves and determine what did I enjoy about this day? At the end of a day, if you said this was a good day, okay, well, what about it was life affirming? Right. Because a lot of people don't know. And I think a lot of people also um, look to their relationships as a model of what makes them happy, that they're willing to just go along with whatever their partner's into or interested in. And they take on the interests of others without ever taking the time to explore for themselves 
what is it about a day that makes it a good one? Yes. Or in relationships, we expect the other person to make us happy. So we actually um, try to get happiness from someone else instead of ourselves. And that is the most impossible thing in the entire world. Yeah. I mean, then you have expectation. And if it doesn't happen, you have resentment, anger, and all of that. Well, how can, I mean, you know, if we're dropping down and looking at this and saying, okay, what is happiness? It is achievement, personal and intellectual. It is contentment, you know, being present in, in your body. And then it's hedonic, which is pleasure. Of those three, I think another person could probably impact hedonic and contentment if you have a partner in contentment, but it's really hard. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. To get somebody else to, to do it. So here's the exercise. And it's, I think it's a cool exercise. So I, I really like calendar work with coaching clients mm -hmm. because calendar work with coaching clients gets somebody to look back over a period of a month. I like to do a month, minimum two weeks and see what actually happened in their life. Mm. So it, you know, if somebody is in a relationship, that's a shit relationship. I ask them because you can't convince someone that they're in a shit relationship. So I say, okay, I want you to write for every day, a smiley face for all the days that you were happy in this relationship, a sad face for all the days where this relationship seriously upset you. And then, you know, a blank face for the days that it was just meh. And then look back over the course of a month and see for yourself what you're doing with your time. So actually kind of um, on paper, seeing what days that you are happy, what days you are not and why. And to rank them. So right. 10 is the best day of my life. Nine, it was an outstanding day. Then you go down the line, six, five, good day, average, typical, all the way down to one. It was the worst day of my life and take some notes on what made it so. Mm-hmm so that you have actual data. And the really important part is that it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah, of course. And you're gonna learn so much about yourself through this process. So for me, you know, I had pizza and some wine right. with some friends last night and the conversation was so cool and diverse and it was just such a comfortable environment and we kicked it and hung out for hours. And for me as an extrovert, that makes it one of my best days. Mm, right. If you're an introvert or you don't like being out or you don't like being with people, that scenario wouldn't be life-giving. Yeah, it might be a nightmare. <laughs> it, it might, might be, be a nightmare. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so you, you, you stack your days and then you objectively say, okay, you know, what made this good? What made this bad? So that you have data to pull forward into your life when you're designing 40% that you have control over of intentional actions to up your happiness. So then with the data, what do you do with that? Then you intentionally design your life in a way where you set yourself up for more happy, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. So for me, you know, I woke up this morning and I was like, woo, you know, I have a, a buzz and a bump because I had such a great night out with some lovely people. Mm -hmm. And so that's a signal to me that I need to do that with some regularity because it gives me energy. Right. Right. So it's, it's a knowing about yourself. It's knowing about yourself and it's being honest with yourself. 
it's um it's well the knowing the being honest the revelations and then you know the other half is the execution giving giving that to yourself creating that space mm-hmm. so can we can we make a note about achievement because i think achievement can be a dangerous word uh, in in our world um i have a lot of clients who um that's all they focus on and so if they don't achieve they feel less than and then you know i think a lot of people tie achievement to their worth right so um what should achievement hang on? Because one of the things that I've learned in the last decade is, because um, I was very achievement-based, um, is it has to hang on meaning. Like it, you have to be doing something, uh, achieving, building uh, something that is meaningful to you, not just you know because the world says so or because there's a lot of money involved or whatever. Yeah. So let's break it down using the the three, the three areas, because I think that informs a lot of this conversation. If you're focusing just on achievement, if you're focusing just on contentment, or you're focusing just on pleasure, your life is going to be really out of alignment. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, that's the foundation. But then when we're actually looking at achievement from a cognitive perspective as a foundation for authentic happiness is two things. It's physical and mental. So Mm. from an achievement perspective, getting in a really good workout or walking for five miles or using your body and your muscles in the way that it was meant to work, that counts. And that's huge. Mm, right. Because when, when you say achievement, most people are going to think, you know, career, like, like the, the big macro things in life. No, achievement is using your brain and or your body to 85% of its capacity. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you're playing chess or doing a jigsaw puzzle or, you know, doing a CrossFit wad or learning a new language. If you're challenging your brain to 85% and you're experiencing flow and you're challenging your body to 85% and you're experiencing flow, that is the definition of achievement that's needed for happiness. Oh, I like that. I like that definition. So achievement, now I'm starting to see the word engagement. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's it's engaging your your psyche and your body in a way that allows you to um, experience flow and and what that does is it it provides you with the opportunity to experience a peak state of flourishing. Mm-hmm. The only way you get to a peak state of flourishing is through flow. Right. Right. I, um, I'm obsessed with trying to chase flow states, you know, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. since I was 12, I mean, I, I've done it through physical activity, but, um, yeah, I mean, and those are the times that I'm, I'm the most happiest. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely experience. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a time when you feel alive. Yes. Yeah. It's when, you know, it's when you forget about time and also mm-hmm. you can't be in flow and, and worrying about taxes. Right. Or bills and all of that. Yeah. So, right. Or you can, I mean, some that, that I would say is, can be a facet of achievement. If you carve out the space and you decide that you're going to adult and you figure out your taxes and you put that shit to rest. Well, fuck. Yeah. Right. That's achievement. You know? I mean, I also think there's, you know, the, the, the micro flow, meaning, you know, you mentioned the workout, the, you know, the, the flow you do in the 20 minutes and, or the experience that you have. And then there's kind of a general f- life flow, you know? 
That's your chief. Yeah, that's a different type of energy. But um, mm-hmm. I think the other flow where you lose track of time, that, I mean, that doesn't happen for, you know, hours. That those, those happen in moments. In moments, they can happen for hours if you find an activity that you're able to really sink into. But just like any other aspect of your being, this, these things are like muscles that you have to build. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could, you know, paint for hours or write for hours. and Or read for hours. Yeah, yeah, and tap into flow, absolutely. I remember when Harry Potter first came out, I sat down and knocked out, you know, all those books in one day. <laughs> Noel, what is Harry Potter? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, John, <laughs> come on. Well, let's let's recap. So, thank you so much um, about bringing uh, just bringing up this topic because it's universal. Subjective happiness, and these are the three pistons that need to be pumping. And Noel, what they what are they? Achievement, which is eighty five percent functioning of your body or your brain in an engaged way. Contentment, which is being able to be present and enjoy the live aspects of your existence and then hedonic which is pleasure as you define it yes and guys um because there's genetics involved if you're not someone who is burning sage and you know um doing cartwheels it's okay because um maybe you're just a melancholy person like me right it's it's about working on being happy it's not about uh, shaming yourself because um you don't wake up that that day like that exactly yes. exactly all right guys build your happy be well